you would, please open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 for uh, this brief word, a brief Christmas homily before our time of singing unto the Lord. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23 are, is, is kind of where I've went. And if you've been with me in this Advent series, this, this time uh, since Thanksgiving, we've lit these candles. And I promise the Christ candle is lit. Uh, we might need to do some digging on the wick, but it's there, okay? I checked. And, and we've, we've lit these candles of, of joy and of hope, of peace and love. And, and what we've been talking about is taking those words and, and taking them from definition and feeling to definite experience. And so what does it mean to rather than define love or to have the feeling of love to, to truly experience God's love? What, what does that mean, right? And, and so we've done that for each of those words, but now we come to the Christ candle, to Jesus himself. And it's easy to define Jesus. You can perhaps use it from the word, a definition, or otherwise. Maybe you might think of a picture or something which is not going to be very reliable. We don't have any physical descriptions other than that he was probably not anything to look at. Isaiah 53. We could feel Jesus if maybe we sing well, like Music Sunday. I made a mention of that, right? We could feel maybe something Maybe I could yell at you a lot, and you would feel something, right? Or I could whisper softly, and you might feel something else. But what do you take away? What does it mean to experience the Lord Jesus Christ? Our main point is that God has come for his people. And as I was trying to think about how to illustrate this, uh, I thought about um, this is going to be a cheesy illustration, but stick with me. I thought about a book that, that we have that my, uh, uh, both grandmothers of our children love a lot. Uh, maybe some of you might be familiar with it, Love You Forever. Uh, it's a very popular book. I mean, it's, uh, that's why I wanted to use it. Uh, this copy was given, uh, I, I think actually, to Rebecca uh, from, uh, from Grandma, from, from her mother. Uh, it has some Bible verses written in here. Uh, You're precious to me. It's been a joy to have had the opportunity to love you, teach you, watch you, help you, be friends with you, but mostly be mama to you. Truly, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. And that's a play on, on what I think the illustration is, on what I think it means to experience the Lord Jesus. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. That's what the mother says to the child, of course, when the child's a baby, but the joke is, and if you are familiar with the story, uh, as he gets into his teens, she sneaks in, right? Uh, and as he becomes an adult, she sneaks in. And that's where it starts to lose because it does feel a little creepy, uh, but it's sweet, right? And y'all know what I mean. And then at the very end, of course, the son, uh, it kind of flipped on its head, sings the song to his elderly mother. And, but, but as I thought about uh, what does it mean for us not to define Jesus, not to just feel Jesus and let it wash away like the wind, but, but to experience the Lord Jesus? Well, I, I think actually it's a lot like what that mother was saying to her child. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as you're my baby, or as long as uh, I'm alive, my baby you'll be, right? The, 
Jesus lives forever. Death couldn't conquer him. He conquered death. He is eternal. He was before. He is now. He is after. And he loves us enough to come like a little baby himself to be held by a mother. God has come for his people. A worthy illustration for us as we dive into Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. But first, let's pray for the reading of God's word. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can see uh, this huge truth, the fundamentals of what it is we believe. So, Lord, help us to see it and change us in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 1, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Three points will help us to see that, that God has come for his people. There is the gift of Jesus, the guarantee of Jesus, and the fact that God, through Jesus, is with us. Verse 20, 21, 22, and then... Really, 23 is kind of filled in with 22. So first we see the gift of Jesus. As we're thinking about God coming, uh, th there is a reality that, that something is happening outside of ourselves. And uh, just to keep that cheesy illustration alive, uh, we really are uh, uh, like infants. We, we have life but we cannot survive on our own. You know, sometimes scientists uh, uh, will remark with, with great uh, a consternation that uh, a, a mammal like, for instance, a calf, uh, when that calf is born, can immediately stand, move, run, and get to the food that that little calf needs, right? Most mammals actually can do that. Uh, but it's confusing because uh, the apex species, right? Humanity does not have something like that in birth. There's something helpless that needs to be taken care of. We have a pediatrician in our midst who goes and sees little babies every day. They need help, don't they? And we got to make sure that, that baby's taken care of, that mama and daddy are doing the right thing, or that baby's in trouble, right? What an illustration that the Lord would give us from the very beginning, revealing our great need, a need that's outside of ourselves. We're living, and yet, like infants, we need help from a parent, from God the Father. And God would send his own son, Jesus. God himself would take on that helpless form, needing his mother to do that work that we need. It's a great gift the gift of Jesus himself. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Why? For that which is conceived in her, it's, if I might say, a gift from the Holy Spirit. 
Secondly, we see as God is coming for his people, there is this gift of Jesus that is remarkable in and of itself, but, but it's remarkable because we see a guarantee. Verse 21, why are you named what you're named? Does your name have meaning? All names have meanings. And even if your parents were to say, I named you a name that has no meaning, you make meaning for yourself. You're known for who you are, whether it's family or a heritage that goes back into uh, uh, the depths of your history as a family or it's something that uh, you think about. A lot of people sometimes ask about Carwin. Why is Carwin named Carwin? What a weird name, right? But, but it's not so weird when you think about how intense the country of Wales, Carwin, by the way, is a Welsh name, is for Rebecca and I and our faith in the Lord Jesus, where we exercised our faith for me for the first time, for Rebecca in a continuing way as we grew together in a serious way under the Lord. And so what do we get here in verse 21? She will bear a son, and you need to call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There's something playing in the background of this that we miss in English. Jesus is the uh, Greek word for the Greek name for the Hebrew word Joshua. Joshua's name, what does it mean? He will save. Yeshua, he will save. Jesus, he will save. That's, that's literally the meaning of Jesus. And so when we see that, that you're going to call him Jesus, he said, because remember, Jesus means he will save. And, and from what? He will save his people from their sins. We've got a problem, y'all. Even those who aren't really believing in Jesus recognize that we've got a problem. I said this the other day. I think it was on a Sunday during a sermon that, uh, you know, we, uh, everyone will agree that we've got a problem. Watch the news. There are problems. What that problem is might be harder to define. I get it. But we can all agree that we've got a problem. And when you boil it down, it's because we're really messed up and we do messed up things. And so as we look and we think about that and we see what Jesus is coming to save us from, he's coming to save us from those messed up things. That's what sin is, is those things that are going against the natural order, that which God designed that we might not have misery, that we might not have depression, that we might not have anxiety, that we might not have frustration, that we might not have malice, that we might not have pain or suffering or trial or any of those things that drive us nuts in this world. Jesus has come. He will save is his name and he will save us from those things that drive you crazy and he will relieve that burden. In fact, he says, give me that burden. I'll take it from you and I'll give you my burden. It's light and it's easy. I will set you free. There is a gift and within that gift is a guarantee and this guarantee is found within Jesus. And, and yet, how? How can this little baby save? As, as Joseph is sleeping and having this dream, and this angel, is, uh, he's telling him these miraculous things. What, what does this mean? Well, verse 22 and 23, it, it tells us. Because, because this Jesus, who is coming, 
who will save us from our sins. It's taking place to fulfill exactly what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name not just Jesus, but Emmanuel. And Matthew really wants to make sure we know what Emmanuel means. Puts a parenthesis in for us. It means God with us. God is with us now. God is with us. He has come for his people as a gift. He has given himself and it guarantees our salvation. The salvation that is that removes us from those things that drive us crazy and, and, and that drive the Lord crazy and brings us into a place of peace, into a place of joy, into a place of relief from the day that grants us hope to look forward rather than to cave in on ourselves, that gives us a love that is genuine and firm and lasting rather than fickle and falling away. God is with us and he changes us. He answers fear. The angel says, don't fear. He answers fear. Don't act like you're not afraid. I know it's Christmas night. I'm not going to apply it too heavily. It's such good news that your fears and anxieties can be cast upon the Lord, that you don't have to bear them on your own. Of all the presence in the world, that's a pretty big one, right? And the longer you live your life, the more you will agree because this world just isn't right. And it is filled with fear and frustration. Not only that, he gives us salvation. And, and this salvation is freeing because all of a sudden, we don't have to feel uncomfortable all the time. We don't always have to be pursuing pleasure to ignore the pain. In our salvation, we find a contentment that lasts, where you wake up and it's not a slog. Where you wake up and, and if your routine's blown to smithereens because if you find joy in your job, you love going to work until you can't anymore. And if you don't find joy in your job, you hate going to work until you don't have to anymore. Or X, Y, Z, right? Whatever it is. You don't always have to be waiting. God's salvation is soul changing. It's person changing. It's you changing. And that's the best Christmas present I can think of is a freedom from those things, a contentment that lasts, salvation in the Lord. God being with us grants us all these candles, but it's not definition or feeling, it's, it's a reality, it's an experience of hope, and it's an experience of joy, an experience of peace, and an experience of love. It's all wrapped together, all in you, and then when you think it's impossible, it's too good to be true, the Lord Jesus picks you up just like that mother in this silly but so sweet and so true book. And he says, I'll love you forever. And he knows exactly who you are. He knows you more than anybody else in the room. He sees all of you. He sees all of your thoughts. He sees all of your actions with the door closed and locked, the blinds shuttered. And he not only says, I'll love you forever. He says, I'll like you for always. You say, well, I don't like myself. Jesus says, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living forever, by the way, my baby you'll be. He's going to keep you forever. 
The Lord Jesus is that good. And the way he shows us that is that God would take on flesh and he would come down as a little infant who needs mother's milk, who needs father's cuddle. And yet this, this little baby is perfect. This little baby will save the whole world. This is the little baby that we, that we sing about and that we praise, that, that we do all year round, but now, isn't it so great? And so I'd ask y'all, sing with loud voices. The Lord is good. The Lord has come. It's Christmas time. It's a time to smile, to be with family and friends, and to rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the good news of the Lord Jesus. It is good news indeed. It's relieving news. So God, thank you. Thank you so much for the gift and the guarantee for God, for yourself with us. In Jesus' name, amen.